Klaus Haro podcast. Uh, this is uh, your constant co your constant co-host, Arlen Haro, and my um, collaborator in this endeavor, Eric Sayor. Two anime episodes in a month. I feel blessed. <laughs> There's <no> yeah. <laughs> who would have thought that we'd get there one day? Not you. Who, who, no, not me. I never would have anticipated this. Um, uh, not not so close in succession. Um, but no, this is this is good because these are really good movies. So it's 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 fine, you know. Um, yeah, I never. The real shock is I have bought three of these four movies. Um, so uh, yeah, that that's more surprising to me even than having watched them. Um, so yeah, um, this is a technically a part two, recorded much later uh, uh, for Satoshi Khan. Um, we'll we'll just assume that you've wa- listened to that first episode, so we've kind of gone through the the rigmarole about who he is and stuff. But um, un- unless you had something specific about these two movies that you wanted to bring up, because um, I have nothing other than just getting right into the movies. Um, yeah, I, I don't uh I don't think there is much about his career. Like between we're gonna talk about Tokyo Godfathers and Paprika, between those two movies he made the T V series Paranoia Agent and mm. then he was trying to make a a, a fifth feature that never um, that never mm. was completed uh even later in his life. So um Again, following two great movies by two other great movies, I would say. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> uh, uh, there's these I hadn't seen, uh, so I had. Um, I mean, yeah. these are movies I've heard about, talked about in anime circles for a long, long time. Uh, I mean, Tokyo Godfathers is the uh, is basically the Japanese Christmas movie. Like, there, I don't think there's much. In the mm. same vein, in the same vein, or as like uh, celebrated, I think, um, and uh, Paprika. <laughs> we'll get to it, but another yeah. movie where we see direct inspirations for modern Western movies that uh, are, I guess, a lot more popular in the pop culture than than it. Um, yeah. So yeah, uh, let's get into into those movies. Um, yeah. I mean, what do you think about Tokyo Godfathers? Uh, um, I I think it's a very good movie. <laughs> I mean, just I mean, uh, hot take. Um, <laughs> no, not not really. Like it's um, it's a very um, uh, it's a very warm movie, despite its setting <laughs> and like art style and all that stuff. Like it's a very um. I mean, I, I, now that you said that, I, I didn't know if it was like a Christmas movie, um, or meant to be, but I get, I definitely get that feeling. Um, and when I started, I was like, oh, should we have saved this for Christmas? Yeah, um, it, 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 oh, I, I felt the same way while watching it. Like, it's like a Christmas movie in the same vein. Like, I would call, um, it's a wonderful life, a Christmas movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If, um, even though it's set on like over, a week more or less i mm-hmm. guess because it goes from christmas to new year um but i i i mean i think 
it's mm-hmm. like it it has the full vibe and the, th- the themes the themes themselves are are the themes you'd see in a christmas movie that's that's why i think it's mm-hmm. it, it qualifies for sure yeah and it it certainly counts as like a i guess you'd say it's a christmas and new year's movie that is a there's a distinct feeling that is shared during that week between those two holidays so it fits perfectly in that little um section there um which is not really even a subgenre of movies because there aren't a lot of movies that take advantage of that period of time um so that's that's interesting um that it but it plays on a lot of those themes uh christmas themes and new year's themes which are uh more distinct and more fully uh, explored in other movies um with um three characters that I would describe as instantly um, engaging, um, but not like um, in quotes, like likable in like a, you know what I mean? Like um, they're all fun to be around, but um, they're not likable in like a, in a commercial way, I guess. Um, They have like quirks and weird character um, idiosyncrasies and um, defects and things like that that make them well-rounded people, um, uh, which is something that I really appreciated. Um, and it's 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 there in the way that they talk to each other. Um, but I also really like the the give and take of this like um, this bond that we see displayed between these three characters. Um, that is um, really entertaining to watch. Um, yeah, and then you add yeah. a baby into it. <laughs> yeah, I think, um, like you said, it's. I think what what uh, what I, I would describe it as is that the their all three of them are immediately like full characters. There's mm-hmm. no real stereotype there. There's like, I guess, a lot of care uh, in their visual characterization, their costuming, mm-hmm. all that stuff. All, all the character design is is very good. And then the plus the voice work plus the writing, you get like three very well rounded rounded characters, and the way they interact is how you get their uh, you immediately get like their relationship, their personalities. I guess it's it's something we've talked about many times during uh, <laughs> this the last episode, and we'll talk again. Is like he's really good at immediately like you get these characters, and there's part of it that's mm-hmm. like. Um, anime has like visual tropes that kind of help but like but there's uh, there's a limit to that and i mean there's that in the same way that like you'll see Mm -hmm. the guy in a suit and it means something in in a live action movie etc so um right but uh establishing on movies are really good at just establishing characters and not wasting time uh Mm -hmm. then like two minutes into the movie you're already like in on these characters, you don't need their backstory. If you're gonna get it throughout the movie, it's just it's to help bring the plot forward. It's not to mm-hmm. it's ne- never really just to look back, right? Um, yeah, I, I think that's and it's it's so it feels so tight and kind of really elegant in the way it's done because these all these movies feel like there's so much in them and they're all so short. <laughs> I, I get back yeah. to that, but like we've we've like he's done six movies, four movies. They're total six hours, 
<laughs> it's a, it's a kind of a, a blessing compared to like what you see from modern filmmaking um even an anime like a um you watch like a, 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 um Miyazaki films or Mamoru Sada films that are still great but mm-hmm. go like as much longer than those and feel like kind of these never feel like your your time is wasted watching them um mm-hmm. And like a lot of um, anime, um, this is a movie that's mainly centered around like found family. Like it's uh, um, mm-hmm. those three characters. You have Jin, uh, who's like a uh, middle-aged man, um, kind of has been homeless for a while, uh, kind of full of regret for his family he's lost. Um, but also kind of like accepting of his faith as like uh, a homeless man. Like he, he's like, <laughs> this is what I am. Kind of fine with it, even though he he's full of regrets. Um, you have Hannah, who, um, I think I, I mean. The, the wording is not there in 2003 when that, when that film is made, but is uh, right. a trans woman um, uh, who kind of um, feels like she had she like she grasped at happiness and kind of lost it and is kind of living with like um, that like crave for motherhood uh, that's kind of part of a lot of like uh uh trans women's um uh life um mm-hmm. and she's she's like a a very exuberant character but that kind of is happy being around uh Jen and Miyuki and like, like you get that they're the ones that bring her happiness and uh Miyuki who's like a teenager who ran away from home because her, her she you learn early in the movie that she stabbed her father you never know why yeah you know you know she had an altercation with her father yeah you know she had a bad relationship with him um and her father was a policeman uh is a policeman and yeah. she's like a kind of like i guess both like really ashamed and of what she's done and kind of can't live with it, but also a bit too proud to go back. And it's like those two things and her general sadness about like missing her family. That's that are like kind of a uh, fighting inside her. Um, mm. And yeah, they're they're basically a little fun family. They live in a little. Uh, house and if you've uh, uh, um, not the house, I would say a little uh, sh- yeah. guess a shack. A shack is between something between a tent and a shack. Yeah, like you 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 see those kind of in some uh, Tokyo or some parks in Japan, and mm-hmm. um, they have this little life uh, until one day they find a baby. Um that's been abandoned in a dumpster and uh, 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 Hannah has 
Hannah kind of wants to keep the baby at least just for the night before trying to bring him to the police or to his family. Uh, Jen and Miyuki kind of go with him just out of like, uh, it's just one night we can let her have this. And it's their adventure of trying to find where the baby belongs. <laughs> it's a It's a very... I guess it's a very funny movie, but it's also a very touching movie, very um, yeah, emotionally touching. I cried watching this. I did not expect to, but I really did. <laughs> yeah, uh, there's a, yeah, there's a couple of places where I could see that. Where it, you you made the um, comparison to a Wonderful Life, and that's a very apt, um, the very apt. Um, uh, there's another word I'm looking for, but, th- but that's very apt. Um, anyways, uh, because. Frank Capra has a similar uh, sense of how to balance like comedy and drama um, in a similar way. Um, and I think it works on a lot of the same levels. There's just a natural use, uh, like you were saying, like it all benefits the character. The comedy comes from who the characters are, and so does the drama. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's a, it's, their interactions between them is always great, and like how they, as a unit, uh, interact with like the world around them. They're three homeless people. They stand out mm-hmm. in a shop. They stand out in a crowd. They stand up in a train. They're like people are looking at them weird. People are talking about them weird. Uh, there's mm-hmm. a moment where um, Jin gets beat up by teenagers just because he's a homeless man, so they can't do it. Um, yeah, it's. It's like there is a lot in there about like giving humanity to the homeless and at the same time kind of like uh, trying to portray like how the world perceives them through their own lens and how Mm -hmm. like uh, the line between just like having an okay family life and being homeless by yourself living in a shack is not is not that thick, right? Uh, I mean, mm-hmm. when people talk about like homelessness and like and middle, like the relationship between you and me are a lot closer to being homeless than we are closer to being billionaires, right? Right. It's like it's 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 we're no one is that right. far from that life, and it's like some of it is conditioned, some of it is like. Mm-hmm circumstance it's it's uh, it's uh, I think the way it portrays that and the way like it mm-hmm. it's the, these characters aren't defined by their homelessness it's just like just uh, uh, how they live their life but like they are mm-hmm. people entirely separated from the fact that they're homeless as well so I think that's that's done very well yeah, yeah, that's something that stands out. It's um, it it kind of explores this concept that's becoming more and more of a topic of conversation, which is like this this idea that being homeless um, um removes you from just being considered a human being, um, <laughs> which is a which is something that we're dealing with more and more, um. And this movie kind of examines that before it was as pressing of a, of a, uh, not, it shouldn't really be a question, but I guess it is for some. 
Um, and it just to me, it's like, oh well, this is why this is why we all are human beings, and why it doesn't really matter <laughs> what your status is in that way. And like you said, we are all very close to this, uh, much closer than any of us think. Yeah, you know? it's like yeah. It's like I think for a while there was like kind of this perception, at least in some media, that like um, homelessness is like a failure, uh, like a moral mm -hmm. failure. Yeah. And like, I mean, the farther we get from that, the better, because it's it's such a yeah. bad way to portray that. Um, yeah, and it's, <laughs> uh, yeah, and and to double down on that, it's a bad way because there are parts of this of the United States at least where people have taken that and they've decided that that's just a fact yeah. <laughs> there are, uh you know stories in LA about people putting spikes down on streets and things like that to keep homeless people from sleeping there and so on and so forth so yeah, yeah. um yeah I, don't know. I mean yeah some similar stuff here uh <laughs> living in and every city you see stuff like that uh they remove mm. benches to have so that people can sleep in the metro and stuff like that and it's like yeah. why why even do you care uh yeah. but again i mean yeah i, I think I, I i like the way this movie portrays that like it's not a movie that's mm -hmm. really about like like i like that the movie is never trying to like take these characters out of homelessness and it's not like their aspiration yeah. is like family it's not like living in a house you know um, right i mean there's that old man that's like uh i wanted to die drunk and in a house but you got me halfway there <laughs> which <laughs> which i right. think is kind of a funny a funny sweet little scene uh but yeah um, yeah, I mean, just to just to then we can move on. You know, their arcs are not about not being homeless. They're more about who they are and moving past some of their past stuff that they have to deal with. Like that. Yeah, exactly. Well, yeah. To and then yeah. Um, you were saying. Um, <laughs> yeah, I was saying let's get into the the plot of this movie. Like. Uh, yeah. So so. Yeah, like we said, the movie set around Christmas. And they find this baby, um, and uh, yeah, the, uh, I guess on their journey to try to find, uh, to try to get to the who they assume is the baby's original parents, uh, because with the baby they find like a key to a locker that they're mm -hmm. uh, and they're trying to follow the information that's in there. Uh, they meet with the they find a yakuza guy that's like <laughs> stuck under a car in the snow, uh, which is like <laughs> kind of a really a cartoonish thing, but it's like um, pretty good. So mm -hmm. they pushed immediately pushed the car uh, off him, and he uh, because they saved him, he invites them to his daughter's wedding, <laughs> where. Uh, <laughs> Where they were that the guy is revealed to be like a yakuza boss, uh, gets 
attacked uh, at gunpoint by <laughs> a maid and then the groom who's getting married to his daughter like he the the yakuza boss is his daughter is getting married then the three homeless characters are at that wedding and he get like uh, <laughs> uh the groom jumps in front of a bullet and then yeah. um the hitman uh, which is a Latino character in Japan, which I guess I don't know why. <laughs> I get, I I'm mean, glad we'll, you had we'll, a similar question we'll, there because we'll I was get, like, we'll what? Get back to, we'll get back <laughs> to that, but he kidnaps um, Miyuki, the, the teenage girl, and uh, who, who's holding the baby, so the baby as well. So you, yeah. you kind of like have like this, this little fam fake family thing where they're like feeding the baby and then it's immediately like kind of 15 minutes in they're separated there's a guy with a gun there's like a yakuza boss and now they're trying to like uh jin and hana are trying to find where miyuki's stuck and um mm. running after them and trying to retrace the cab the hitman took so <laughs> it's a it's kind of a uh, this movie builds on top of itself in yeah. terms of like scale, and I don't know we we did spend a lot talking about the like first we talked about the characters but like the first like twenty minutes of this movie are very like kind of sweet and funny and all of interaction and then you're kind of like on a chase basically. Right. Uh, multiple chases, I think. Mm -hmm. And the first one being this one. Um, yeah. Yeah, there's a series of interactions and like little little adventures that they go on that build to the to the overall adventure that they're going on. I, I described or uh, suggested that it was very episodic before we even started recording. Um, and I do feel like it could be cut into pieces and given a theme song as like 12 minute um short um because yeah like it, it has that feeling of each thing propels the next and little stories that add up and each story tells you something about one of our three characters um uh some of them some characters get you know once one section that is really theirs um and it just sort of builds on top of each other um, but yeah, we get, uh, you had mentioned another, uh, another much older homeless man who, uh, Jin helps, uh, get yeah. to, uh, yeah. yeah. So, so they, the, all three of them kind of get separate at this point because, mm -hmm. um, Hana is really trying to find a child because the child and Miyuki, because she, she really cares for both of them. Mm -hmm. Jin is kind of being on his, like, saddest so he's being like this his saddest self and kind of mm -hmm. abandons hope and kind of loses himself walking around and he finds like oh, another homeless man lying on the ground and he kind of a really much older man who's like a really feels like a or older version of him yeah um, and kind of like takes him to his to uh, their little shack and uh, kind of gives him alcohol and he tells him stories and you had a little sweet scene between the two and um, Miyuki and the baby um, they're um, the hitman the Latino hitman 
kind of hid them in like a uh, what's I guess it's supposed to be like a um, more like mm-hmm. poor crime 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 filled like a kind of drug filled you see like some needles underground uh, yeah neighborhood of Tokyo and um, takes them to his little apartment like he uses them as hostage to escape but he's not mm-hmm. like really interested in like hurting them or in keeping them as hostage he kind of yeah. leaves them with his wife and their child um, and the wife is um, another Latino woman who only speaks Spanish, maybe a little bit of broken English in there, yeah. and like Mio, uh, Miyuki, who's, who only speaks Japanese and only a little bit of broken English, and they're kind of bond together and like talk about their father. Both of them have a policeman father, they're bond over that. Um, they She helps uh, feed the child. It's like a, a sweet moment between the two. Um, yeah, the one, the the thing that we both agree is kind of weird is like, uh, why is that Hitman a Latino guy? And I guess, yeah, uh, I don't know. I, I have a theory. I'll, I'll try to make it very quick. I know that there is a sizable Japanese population in Mexico. Um, not, not the biggest of the many populations or subpopulations there, but I have to assume that maybe it's a, it's a case of. Uh, their father is from that region or that or somewhere in Mexico and they came back to Japan uh, for reasons of that's or you know the father of one of them at least and they came with them that's that's my best guess but otherwise I have no no idea (laughs) Um, I did not realize that there was any real uh, sizable Latino population in Japan Um, because I believe that they have some very strict immigration laws um as it regards that um but i don't i don't know i'm not an expert on japan um yeah yeah. it's it's like i'm kind of thinking about like some madhouse produced Mm -hmm. like anime like um like i mean black lagoon and stuff like that kind of those shows have like those characters but they kind of those shows are like filled with like black mm-hmm. and latino and kind of multi multicultural like kind of um mm. mostly killers characters <laughs> uh but yeah there's I, th- I think there's also a large japanese population in brazil so i guess yeah. that's uh that that's another thing but brazil is not a spanish-speaking country but um right. yeah i don't know it's it's kind of weird it's it feels like it it feels like more referential to like mm-hmm. american television or of the era or like uh, American action movies of like the nineties, maybe. Uh, right. Uh, or the early two thousand as kind of referential. This is like <laughs> two years after I, traffic. <laughs> maybe he saw I traffic. Can see that. Yeah, and this is yeah, like maybe. a <laughs> Bernice del Toro inspired character. Uh, go back and listen to the traffic episode. Uh, I didn't, but... I did I did not expect you to link it back to that. But I'll take it. I'll, yeah, I can see a couple of things being there. I, I guess it, yeah, it, it just feels like really uh-huh. and out of place when you could easily have just a another Yakuza guy being the killer. Uh, but I guess... Right. Or, yeah, or you could make does, it uh, yeah. another Asian country, you know, another... Because uh, 
I, I think that's more common. Or I would assume yeah, exactly. That. No, no, you're right. You're right. That's something you'd see more more likely, maybe like a Chinese character or a Korean character. But sure. it's it's like a, it's yeah, it's kind of opening, but I kind of like because because of it, you get to have those scenes with Miyuki <laughs> and uh, the the hitman's wife. Uh, yeah. Uh, which are like very sweet and kind of like w communicating over that language barrier is kind of is kind of really good. Um, yeah. So it does make me think that it's there for that. That that, that was yeah. the but it wasn't yeah, really okay. yeah, that's the reason for it, I guess. Uh, <laughs> pretty much, um, you get uh, so Jin takes care of the homeless man. But then, uh, like I described, he's like attacked and beat up by some teenagers who kind of get to beat him up because he's homeless. Like he's a homeless man. No one's gonna take care for care for him. No one's gonna come to his help. Um, so he he they basically like beat him up until they get a call for some girls and they so just just leave him to die. Um, he's uh, um. He's kind of he's rescued. We find out later because um, so Han uh, Hana finds Miyuki and the child, and they're kind of unsure where to go. Uh, so they go to the uh, Angel Tower, which is um, I guess um, something between a drag club and a trans club, depending on uh, who's there. But yeah. it's a yeah yeah. So it's it's like harder to describe because it's more analogous to what we would I mean to like a, mm -hmm. a drag cabaret or something like that um, yeah. um, where she used to work and she used to be a singer and you get um, where and you get her backstory where that she had to quit her job because she was insulted a bunch by a drunk guy there and assaulted him and just left and never came back. Um, yeah. You also get to uh, uh, to see um, you, you also get like a little glimpse of like her past with a man uh, that passed away sadly uh, and it's like kind of a little melancholic scene but it, there's not yeah there's not a lot given there and I think it's like kind of indicative of like Hannah's characters she's like not kind of lost in sadness she's more looking for than any any of the uh, any of the other three other two I mean um yeah uh I mean so so at the club they find out that one of the uh uh one of the people working there found uh, Jin like bloody on the ground, and they kind of um, uh, rescued him, patched him up, and all three of them together uh, kind of have like a, now have like a, an idea where the where that family would be, where where the parents of the child would be, because of yeah. some pictures they found earlier in the movie. Uh, they go there, the house is burned down. There's not much they can do. 
some a bunch of noisy neighbors <laughs> come to tell them a bunch of story about the, how their that couple wasn't happy together and the mom was working and the dad wasn't like an alcoholic. Um, 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 uh, yeah, and, uh, the, no, no, yeah, that, that it's, it's like, uh, I don't even know how to transition to that because they're like, okay, they're kind of resting in a, in, inside a store because it's night and it's cold and yeah. just like a ambulance basically, like they go out for a second and an ambulance crashes through that wind, the window of the store and yeah. the, guy in the ambulance is like, please call an ambulance. <laughs> which i found very funny um yes yeah it's 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 pretty good um but hannah gets hurt in the crash and has to go to the hospital and in the hospital uh uh when she's getting she's getting patched up by the doctor uh jin meets his like daughter his estranged daughter so yeah. At the beginning of the movie, you get like some backstory for Jin, where he's like uh, talking about how uh, his daughter died from an illness when she was young, and his wife uh, died a few years later, and he's been alone since. And um, but it comes out during that meeting with his daughter that actually he's he she didn't die, and his wife didn't die. It's he kind of got so much in debt because of drinking and gambling uh, that he kind of left them out of shame and left them to manage like the uh, bike store they used to have together. Um, it's, it's a, it's just, it's, it feels like a reconciliation scene uh, <laughs> because the daughter, like the, the daughter at this point is like not even mad at him. She's more mm -hmm. like, why he's she's more sad than anything and she kind of just wants her father like her the father wants his daughter um yeah there's a yeah it's not like a big scene like it's not like played up to be big but it's very it's a kind of a quiet scene with just two characters conversing um which is it's interesting to see that done in the animation um and I like the way that it, you know, these characters as the story goes along, their individual arcs kind of tie together in interesting ways. The, the stuff with him and his daughter kind of reflects on the um, uh, on, uh, Mayuki and her father's story. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I just yeah, like the way that. The, yeah, the, there's the there's like the missing piece. Like they're each they each have been the missing piece for the other. And kind mm -hmm. of in a way, and like that affection that they would, that they would have, they kind of give each other in a, like an indirect way. Um, mm -hmm. uh, but from that reconciliation moment, like Jin is kind of still lying to his daughter, not telling him like what he's really up, like that he's homeless. She he lies about she he lies about work. And then Hannah, that she goes all out on him because she believes that, like, by the, the only way that they can have a real 
love relationship is by them being all out open with each other. Um, so she puts it all out and kind of leaves, and then uh, and and uh, Miyuki follows her, um, and she tells Miyuki about this uh, this story about the Red Devil and the Blue Devil. Um, the Red Devil wanted to make friends, but no one wanted to be friends with the uh, with him. Um, so he so the Blue Devil, who was his friend proposes an idea where the blue devil attacks a village and then the red devil kind of stops him um i mean fake attacks and fake stops and then the people yeah. from the village would like the red devil and that's what kind of hana is trying to do for jin and his daughter trying to like be the one that kind of be the bad guy and kind of helping them reconcile with each other uh because fundamentally she like she uh miyuki brings it up multiple times in this movie that she's in love with jin uh yeah they like she has like that uh that love for him and um i mean she's a very like loving character and i think that's that's uh she kind yeah. of holds all of this kind of together in a way uh between like the <laughs> the depressed mm -hmm. dad and the uh, the teenager who doesn't know where they're going. Yeah, um, there's a yeah. She's like a magnet, just holding this. Yeah, uh, yeah, holding the other two people that seemingly, otherwise they would have nobody else. They would just be alone. Um, yeah, yeah. That's yeah. A, that's a, yeah. Um, so by pure chance, or I guess small chance, <laughs> bad luck. Um, they. While they're walking and talking, they kind of meet. Uh, they see a woman about to kill herself on a bridge, and they they kind of save her from jumping. And that woman uh, presents herself as like the mother, like she's the one that was on the photograph. So they believe right. she's the mother, and she tells them like, "Oh, she's the mother of the baby." So they give her back the baby, and like believe that they're done with all this. Um, at the same time, Jin by himself goes to the apartment where, um, yeah, where the dad is. Yeah, where yeah, where the 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 person that's assumed to be the dad is, and mm -hmm. he tells Jin that he's not like they're not the parents of the baby. They actually stole the baby from a like she stole the baby from a hospital, and then he kind of mm -hmm. um. He, I mean, I guess they were kind of they they kind of got scared because they stole right. a baby and they left him in a dumpster or something like that. And mm -hmm. um, yeah, so so, so the raising Arizona situation, but they yeah, exactly yeah they yeah she, like she want she she wanted to have a baby but couldn't, and then so she she was stillborn, so she stole a baby. Yeah, from the nursery. Um, uh, the, and so Jin finds Miyuki and Hana tell them that she was, isn't actually the mother uh, and they go on this huge yeah. chase by foot like running around after every baby in the city until they find her uh, she keeps running away she steals a truck they get into yeah. a cab they get to, like Jin gets on a bike because 
you have this this thing throughout the movie where he's like, oh, yeah, I used to do bike racing. Oh no, I didn't do bike racing. I used to own a bike shop. But he's still like he gets on a bike and chases the truck. Uh, Miyuki and Hana are in a cab. Uh, this <laughs> the same cab driver from earlier in the movie that helped yeah. Hana find uh, Miyuki. Uh, <laughs> yeah, this is, the cab driver is like a, is like a, a character that's there a few times, and, and yeah. uh, there's the, there's this huge chase that ends up with Miyuki face to face with um, the fake mother on top of a building, um, uh, the mother Sashiko threatens um, uh, to jump off the building and kind of. Um, jumps and uh, Miyuki catches her and the baby and Jin and Hana show up and Hana like the, the baby falls and Hana like jumps off the building catches the baby and kind of is saved by a magic what, what I would describe as a magic wind uh, yes a Christmas miracle if you could say uh, yeah yeah, yeah, I would agree. Yeah, it's 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 definitely played that way. It's definitely meant to feel very miracle adjacent. Yeah, um, and I mean, throughout the movie, yeah. they talk about like, like uh, Hana describes Kyoko the baby as like a gift from God, and like yeah, they they keep getting very lucky throughout the movie, and like almost dying or almost like being completely like having no clue where to go and just finding something at the last minute and it all yeah. like ends up in this final moment where like she's literally jumping off a building catching a baby in the air and just like being saved by i guess uh <laughs> i don't know there's <laughs> no, like <laughs> being saved by a christmas miracle i would that's what I, i'll call it um yeah. you kind of get like a an epilogue where the baby is returned to uh, its parents and its parents want to tell the police officer that returns the baby that they want to thank the people that brought back the baby um, and want, even if they're homeless, they don't care. They want them to be the baby's godfather. Uh, so yeah. you get that final scene uh, where uh I mean, Jin, Hana, and Yuki are in the hospital room. Uh, Jin and Hana are in bed, are in like hospital beds because they're pretty banged up by the whole thing. Um, and then the parents walk in with the policeman, and the policeman is Miyuki's father. And they look at each other for a second, and then movie ends. Really yeah. good ending. Yeah, very yeah, very solid. It just it ends on a reveal and yeah, it's um you also get the little detail apparently I can't make you kind of miss that that um that um in the, the old man's bag there was like a lottery ticket and uh the numbers on it are the winning numbers for the like <laughs> the jackpot so oh. <laughs> it's a kind of a little <laughs> detail that's in there that's kind of completely unimportant to like the the movie right. and its themes and its plot but it's 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 there uh and that's that's the movie yeah. um i guess they're a really good like both fun family but also it's like a movie like, that's itself about like mm -hmm. uh 
how I mean f how what family as a unit and like the kind of deterioration of that and the deterioration of relationships. Um, uh, and I I think uh, as all it's just a great, pretty great film. Yeah, yeah, it's um, I. I really appreciate the way that it um, um, that it just it just builds naturally on itself, um, and uh, by the time you get to the end, it just it just all feels right. Um, it all it all it all fits together um, like a like a puzzle, um, and yeah, um, uh, these um, uh, these characters who we root for um their their stories aren't all they're not completely resolved at the end but like i i like that it is a um it, it takes advantage of the fact that it is a christmas story and that it is like a um you know a, a somewhat um hopeful story um but again like we like we've been saying like it doesn't um it doesn't see these people as uh, lesser, like we've been saying. So yeah, it's just um, it's a very good movie. Um, I like that it, you know, like you said, it ends on the reveal and then it ends on the baby smiling, um, <laughs> which is just a great little way to close out the movie. Um, yeah. Yeah, and like a lot of uh where there's like some even though the movie has like a lighter tone, there's like some great imagery there. There's a scene that we didn't talk about, uh, but of um, Miyuki trying to call her dad on her phone and she like can't say the words. And that's like, I mean, that's a, a scene I, I feel like we've seen multiple times and it's hard to say where it comes from, but there's like that shot from the other side of the street of like her on her knees, like crying that she's sorry after hanging up without saying a word that's like really really strong and um yeah 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 like and again like i was saying all the, the moments like that are always um they're always interspersed with other moments they're it's always doing two things at once it's um you know it's something that uh, uh robert zemeckis talks about a lot in his movies and uh the, the Marvel movies talk about, and of course, good old Steven Spielberg does this expertly in his movies. And this movie really kind of feels like a Spielberg movie um, to me in the best possible ways. Like it, it does a lot of the same things. It uses everything perfectly. The the um, the geography of the scenes um, is perfect. I I don't know my way around uh, Tokyo, um, yeah. but I feel like i do when i'm watching this movie um uh, and the fact that that is done in animation is another level of impressive um yeah yeah just the fact that i'm thinking about the staging um of an animated movie the way that i think of staging in a live action movie is very impressive so yeah 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 um uh so speaking of that uh do you want to do you want to transfer over to the next movie um yeah yeah we can talk about paprika yeah. uh, uh so paprika is um a good inception 
<laughs> wow. Coming out hard. Oh, uh, I like Inception. I, I like Inception. No, no. I, I Yeah, I... There's certainly been like a light backlash to Inception. I'll, I'll give it that. Um, and I don't, I don't not understand the source of that I mean, backlash. I mean, the, um, I think the backlash is more like when people talk about Inception as something revolutionary and like the most complex film ever made, and it's like so many layers deep. And it's <laughs> Inception is like a very straightforward movie, I think. I mean, yeah, there is some ambiguity there, but it's like, it's like kind of very surface level. And but the story itself of Inception is, yeah, is like it. It's, I mean, it spends so long explaining its rules that it never really becomes anything like more than what it's showing. I think I which. I mean, it's not a problem. I think I we've talked about like we like Tenet because of that. Like it's a movie. It has its rules. It's kind of dumb, but it it's kind of rules at the same time. Like it it's um... wow. Just just completely whitewashing my problems with Tenet there. Um, no, just kidding. Um, I mean. No, I mean... We're, I mean, we both like that movie. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> no, no, I get. It. I'm just giving you, giving you. <laughs> no, um, we're not gonna turn this into the discussion about. Yeah, yeah. So, so but, I, mean, uh, I mean, Inception uh, is like directly inspired by this yes, movie absolutely. in a way that's like unmistakable. Like, there's yeah, there's like literally like the corridor scene in inception is in this movie i mean yeah. i think it looks cooler um in inception i will say that because in this movie yeah. it's kind of a, a little bit goofy but i think what this inception is so mm -hmm. i mean the, the vision of what you can do in a movie about dreams in this film is so full of life compared to what's in inception <laughs> i think that's part of like What's the recent yeah. backlash to that? Well, um, yeah. And so I do want to sort of just like nail it down here on the whole. No other movie about dreams is no, no two movies about dreams are more similar than this movie and Inception. Because um, there are a lot of movies that have explored the concept of dreams. Um, uh, you could argue that every David Lynch movie explores the concept of dreams to some degree. Um, but no two movies, I think, have more in common despite being in such different mediums and using dreams differently, but there's still much more of a shared DNA between these two movies yeah, than I mean, say, a movie like Dreamscape from the eighties or any of the Friday or not the Fridays, um, the, the Elm Street. Elm Street. Yeah, yeah. 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 I mean, I mean, it's different mediums, but it's the same. Uh, yeah. Like it's, it's like, a, mm -hmm. they're, they're kind of, I mean, for generally similar things, but, Mm -hmm. I mean, Paprika is about dreams, but Paprika is a movie that's about the internet, right? It's like, yeah, <laughs> it's like yeah. The, the movie about like interconnectedness through dreams and how like the lines between fantasy and like having a second life and like a, a second life in your dream and the real world intersect in like a mm -hmm. weird fucked up way. Like it's it's a movie that's more about like reality than it is about dreams like like a lot of satoshi right. work like it's 
his like I mean like um, Perfect Blue more right. than the like Perfect Blue. Yeah. It's a movie that's more of a uh, using like uh, um, using dreams as a reflection of like real mm -hmm. like uh, a reflection of the weird world and how like antagonisticness um, and like yeah again yeah fantasy and, and dream like and where where those lines like kind of intersect um, mm -hmm. and and on the internet thing like just also the, forming this secondary identity the the sort of secret identity which i know absolutely nothing about um uh, um, <laughs> um that 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 idea is throughout the movie and then you know as you were sort of uh, suggesting there like not many directors, almost no directors intentionally create like a capstone movie that feels like a, it, it ties everything that they've ever done before together. But occasionally a director does have that. You know, I, I've mentioned this before with Mike Flanagan. I think that that's what the first Hill House season was. This feels like a capstone, whether it was on purpose or not. Like it, it's tying together so many themes from the previous uh, movies. Um, more Tokyo Godfathers than I expected, um, but not as much. But a lot of Perfect Blue and a lot of Millennium Actress. You can feel the the uh, the reverberations in this movie. Um, this, but yeah, like you were saying, the stuff about identity and how your identity can shift based off of other people's perceptions and also your own self perception. Like, it, yeah, and. Um, you know, and then also the the sort of aspect of visuals and um, the um, the sort of storytelling aspect that we see back during Millennium Actress is yeah. kind of at play here. Like it's using a lot of the same techniques um, that are heavily in that movie to to do similar things, but differently. <laughs> um, I mean, yeah, 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 yeah. I mean to get into the movie as it is because just to to talk, mm -hmm. to talk about this movie about um this movie is kind of set in like a near future where uh, a company has created a device called the dc mini who kind of mm -hmm. helps people view other people's dreams uh and it's kind of used by like a, it's kind of been invented and used by uh psychiatrist to help like patients uh by looking at their genes and kind of um uh helping that like helping them like kind of process their problems through that like and i'm not sure how, how uh, many psychiatrists will tell you that that's good but uh <laughs> their genes are i feel like uh uh, dream reading is a kind of more pseudoscience than anything else at this point. I mean, yeah, but yeah, um, but yeah. So, um, so the movie follows like uh, uh, you, you have um, Doctor uh, Atsuko, um, who has her alter ego Paprika when she goes into a dream and, and interacts with a patient. She she's paprika and in the real world she's uh, atsuko and you have like uh two you have the uh, i mean doc you have the her boss like 
Uh, who is um? What's his Doctor Tora Tora Toro Tora Taro. Yeah. Tora Taro. Uh, yeah, uh, and yeah. and uh, who's her kind of her boss in the research? And you have um, Doctor Tokita, who's like kind of a genius, um, who is the one that can invent, built and invented the machine, and who's yeah. kind of like uh, 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 <laughs> he he's not like he's. I feel portrayed like um maybe i'd say as a autistic stereotype maybe <laughs> i feel like yeah. uh, he's like portrayed as like kind of a uh mm-hmm. not very smart in like his understanding of like the general implication about what he's doing but like very good at the science part and making being good at just like making the machine Mm -hmm. i guess yeah they yeah they they land somewhere in between like um uh i don't i haven't seen it but the show the good doctor and um the lead character of um queen's gambit somewhere in the middle (laughs) of those two things is where it lands so it never gets I would say it doesn't get like too far into the autistic genius child stereotype. Um, and it depicts him, I, I would say mostly as like just a, a child prodigy. Um, yeah. But it definitely, y- yeah, it, <laughs> it's doing some stuff that is a little bit. Um, uh, I mean, no, I, I, don't, I, I don't think it's necessarily bad. The way no, it's, portrayed, no, but it's it's like there is definitely some like uh, mm-hmm. how can someone so smart be so dumb, right? There, right. There's some of that in there in yeah, the perception of people around him have of him. Um, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I I think it only doesn't stand out as being like really bad because I think Satoshi Khan is just really good at like having empathy for his characters yeah uh uh and making them feel even if they start from an unrealistic place making them feel like real people despite that um and that's that's something that's in all three of the other movies we just talked about so yeah uh, it, it yeah um anyway you were saying <laughs> i i didn't mean to cut you off if i did but um uh uh, no, I don't think you did. So, yeah, he's a creator. She's the psychiatrist that goes inside the yeah. dreams, and you have uh, her boss who's leading like the whole experiment. So, yeah. um, so they're they're so early in the film, you learn that uh, some of these devices were stolen. Um, yep. Not sure by whom. Um, to. Uh, uh, and people are people's dreams that are being invaded, and kind of their mind are being corrupted through their dreams because uh, mm-hmm. because the technology hasn't been completely perfected. Like, if you use one of these devices, you can go into the dreams of anyone who has used or is using one of these devices. I guess. Yeah, and it's uh, it, yeah, and you can kind of. Control their mind to a degree, like use their mind to like amplify the dream. Is kind of how I 
I, I took it. Um, yeah, yeah, I guess they they think um, of an assist, like an uh, a jealous assistant sold the devices and is using them to like corrupt people's dreams. Um, so they try to track him down and they find him that they find that he's also been corrupted. Is it is kind of being used as like a, more of a transmitter than anything else. And mm-hmm. the actual villain of the movie is um, the one that's been opposed to the whole project the whole time, which is like the chairman of the company um, mm-hmm. that's developed the product. Uh, he and like another of the doctors uh, who's like, I guess, less talented and less important in the whole <laughs> operation. Um through their like uh, they they took some devices and are using them to corrupt people and his I guess his I feel like um I kind of like the chairman at first as a character because he was very mm-hmm. um I felt he was the only sensible person there that in a way yeah like kind of presenting the opposition to the technology as like a moral thing. Like do do looking through right. other people things is something that will bring like a better world or is it just is it just like creating technology that's just there to be corrupted? And I think that's an yeah. interesting thing to have in a movie, like to questioning like uh the morality of it at like early in its creation. Uh, mm-hmm. because uh, I mean, going back to like <laughs> the internet going right. in 2000, <laughs> like it, this movie comes out to what two, three years after Facebook, right? Yeah. Uh, um, in an internet that feels a lot more um, mm-hmm. kind of uh, sheltered than what is now. Sheltered in a way, but also more open. Yeah. Now the internet is basically like five websites, right? Like being right. controlled by entirely controlled by corporations, and this is a movie where like the, I mean the the president of the comp- corporation presents himself as like opposing the use of this technology, and then comes back to wanting to use this technology to control everyone's dreams. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, which I feel like is is the cycle that all CEOs go through. Yeah. Wow, yeah, kind of. Um, yeah, I mean, on that note, like he he, uh, I'm gonna reference Jurassic Park two here for a solid two minutes. So just go. Um, but he starts off as Hammond at the beginning of Jurassic Park two, and then he becomes Hammond's son um, <laughs> uh, by the end of the movie. Who's just obsessed with like using this for his own gain and his own power. Um, uh, perfect uh, comparison there. Um, <laughs> uh, but yeah, uh, he he becomes obsessed with like taking over all of the dreams. Is kind of how I took it, and just like becoming more and more of a like a I, dream I like god he, he, yeah he kind of corrupts himself by using the it's like it's like a, very much a different like initially it's i feel like his plan is to like i mean his morals are initially presented mm-hmm. as I, I think it's like a bit of where the movie kind of loses itself um i mean i don't think it it, it, it kind of just like 
becomes yeah. uh, <laughs> it, it kind of degenerates a little bit but um because yeah, it, I don't, j- just because yeah. of I, th- I think his character is the one that's like feels less like a character and feels more like the uh, uh villain right because uh, he's mm-hmm. it, it does feel like his plan is to um he just wants to prove that the technology can be used for wrong uh so stop mm-hmm. them from developing it and like and then just like stop it mm. there basically that's that's my feeling of him at first and then he gets right. kind of corrupted by the power and realizes that he can just like use it to mm-hmm. i guess make dreams and reality a single like combine dreams and reality and then makes mm-hmm. this eliminates all disabilities i think that's his like the uh, yeah, thing I think he does like I don't know. I think it's he, part it's of like it. He corrupts people's minds, and then he's like, "Then, then no one needs to be disabled anymore. I can walk again because he's in a wheelchair." Uh, right. Yeah. Yeah. His. Uh, yeah. It's the. I think it's a lot of things. It's the sense of like his outward power now matches his um his implicit power. I guess is part of it. Like he's he was already kind of um in a in a sense godlike with his money and influence and now he can in his mind truly be a god of sorts like he says a lot of stuff about you know being god if i'm not misremembering it at all or so like he that's there and it i think it's i think you're right with you know suggesting at the very beginning that he was really like trying to look at it from a moral point of view but um you get the sense very quickly that his own hubris and his own like um uh uh enlarged ego about his importance is sort of feeling that and that takes over completely at some point at least that's that's kind of how i took it yeah but the plot really doesn't like sit down and explain that to you he doesn't have like really a speech where he says that specifically yeah, um, i mean i mean the, the whole movie is just saying like kind of like semi cryptic like mm-hmm. ki- kind of like moral things like uh like early in the movie the the thing i liked is he he said it's it's a man's responsibility to control science like te- technology mm-hmm. like when describing new technology like it's technology you, you don't create like i mean a lot of like modern like moral debate over like right the internet or ai or stuff like that is like you you don't create technology in a vacuum you create it and mm-hmm. kind of you can know like if it's possible to be used in a certain way you know it's going to be used in a certain way right there's right. no like limits to like uh, i mean the the morality of it like mm-hmm. <laughs> like the creation of something that goes into dreams means that people are going to use it to corrupt other people's minds like right th- th- this is yeah. like the the um, i guess this is why the character of like uh uh you you, you can like oppose like those the the the, um, the scientist to the chairman and even uh mm-hmm. the um, the genius as well so that because the genius he invents just because he without ever being conscious of like what the technology he brings will mean for 
like the future of humanity. He just thinks mm. it would be a fun thing to see his friend's dreams. Yeah. <laughs> like there's there's no yeah. consciousness of what it works. And then the scientists are like trying to push that technology because they think they can do good with it, but never they're never even when it's being used for bad, they're trying to stop it internally and because they still want to push their research into it. Like there's there's no moment where like people are like the only the moment moment the only moment where they become fully conscious about like what they've actually been doing is like at the end where it's been corrupted to like its full mm. complete extent and then there's it doesn't feel like even there's any regret to what they've been doing I, I think that's what's so uh interesting about these characters is that there's kind of like this good and evil thing but also like there's there, there's no like uh um there's no questioning of their own morality they're just they just keep pushing right mm-hmm. <laughs> um uh and I, i think that's that's why i feel like this movie is so like so can be so um prescient in like how it's talking about technology and like how it's talking about like what feels like right now early internet but at that point it was mm-hmm. like, it was like it's been it's there and established in 2008 i mean we're kind of right uh i mean we're i think we're both like 14 15 and like already yeah. like, the internet feels like a uh indispensable in a way like it's like fully part of our life yeah. by then It's it's certainly it, it's becoming more and more just something that is part of part of existence. It's just something that you have to you, you have to have access to. Yes, but certainly by then, um, yeah. Um, <laughs> there's a lot in this movie. Yeah. Uh, I do want to I do want to single out one character we haven't talked about, which is the detective character, um, who is. He he's kind of there as like um the the classic audience surrogate character kind of um um I'm not really sure what to think of him <laughs> because I, I I've watched the movie at least twice now I'm not really sure one hundred percent why he's there um what what's your take on that character so so um, yeah he that character he's like introduced as the patient like he's mm-hmm. uh, dr tsukos and paprika's i guess patient and he mm-hmm. um i mean you get to see him introduced and right. you only get to see him through his dreams kind of where he, in his dreams mm-hmm. he's like going through multiple different action movies like Tarzan, like literally a scene yeah. from from Russia with Love, which I kind of, uh, <laughs> which I'm really glad to have the, <laughs> been doing a Bond podcast to recognize like that exact scene. The, yeah, the, like the uh, the scene on the train in that movie where um, where mm-hmm, with where Red Tram, is, yeah. yeah, yeah, where he's being choked, um, or, um, yeah, with, like a rope out of the watch, right? Uh, there's yeah. Uh, And it's and kind of culminates in that scene where he's he sees the dead body of what he is the dead body he's been investigating, and is kind of like uh, mm-hmm. 
is, is kind of trying to run after the culprit in the corridor, um, like a a corridor that's like that's what I mentioned earlier was like the direct inspiration to that corridor scene in Inception. Yeah. Like it's uh, it, it's it, it it's not as like. <laughs> Like I said, it's not as cool as the scene in Inception. That scene in Inception is really cool, but it's it's, right. it's still like it. It it also feels very reminiscent of um. Um, I don't oh. know if you've played uh, <laughs> Ocarina of Time, the Zelda game on Nintendo sixty four, but there's like no. literally that came out like a few years before, like it came out in like ninety eight, um, mm-hmm. but yeah, there's. There's like some stuff in like the, the forest temple that's like very reminiscent of like that the corridor that goes to infinity mm. and like keeps stretching and stuff and like ru- right. running on in place and the that's mm. like uh I mean that's a, th- those are the things that come to mind when I sing it yeah um but yeah he's introduced in that way and he's like. I guess you see him how he sees himself, right? And you, right. He, he's described throughout the movie as like, yeah, I don't, wa- I don't watch movies anymore. And you learn later that he used to like make action movies with his friend, uh, but he kind of stopped doing it and chose to study something different in university and become a policeman. And like his <laughs> old friend, he's been kind of completely separated of. Um, and but his like love of movies is not gone, and like the way he sees himself is like as a uh, character in an action movie. Like, um, mm-hmm. uh, that's his like internal portrayal. There's no like, um, there's there's no real like s- smartness around it. It's he's like his dreams <laughs> are like action scenes or just like movie yeah. scenes. Uh, I mean, some of them action, some of them like not, but you, you, you know what I mean. Um, yeah. So yeah, I, I I think I think that character is interesting because it does uh, it, it does present like and kind of uh, bring up the relationship between like dreams and movies because there's something there, and I think like having. That mm-hmm. uh, as well as a plus in like the dynamic of like of like where do do these like images you see on screen come from and your relationship with them and how they kind of change how you see the world. I guess you can have you have some of that stuff in there. Um, mm-hmm. In the in a movie about dreams, I think it's like kind of I, I I really like that. Um, yeah. Um, I guess I do like that he that he's he's still kind of like a, a just like a bumbling guy and it kind of um, yeah it, it, he he feels like a lot of times he's just there and like I said he's a an surrogate but I kind of like what he brings to um, to to the table yeah he 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 has performed well and he's he's animated well it's just he's. In all, it's the first time in any in any of these movies where I was like, "Oh, this guy again! <laughs> oh, he's still here." <laughs> um, which is, a, I mean, that's not a bad thing. He he is in, he is entertaining, um, and I do like the way that, um, like, 
I like that it's not like a like a love thing at the end. Like there's like it's it's very it's kept very professional between him and the uh, and the uh, Atsuko character. Um, he, I mean, he kisses her and she slaps him immediately. Right. <laughs> yeah. She's dreaming. She's slapping someone else, and it's kind of right you know, that little gag. Uh, where she's like, am I awake or am I dreaming? And he's like, uh, <laughs> <laughs> you, you see that slap thing in my face? I think we're both awake. Uh, slap my gun. Yes. Be, um, yeah, I like that movie a lot. Moment a lot. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, the, the one thing that's, that's, um, that's kind of interesting about this movie is that it has no, like, real rules for, like... Mm-hmm for what is a dream and what isn't right it's like uh or for how dreams actually work and it feels like um so you you get at the the first part of the movie it's really clear like what's a dream and what's not like they're going into dreams (laughs) and it's like the question is more like whose dream is it who's in control and Mm -hmm. but there's no real limit to like what control can bring right it's it's like um it's it's like a uh um paprika is like the he has the most experience traveling to dreams and like she changes her super again and again even if it's not her dream even if it, she's not in control mm-hmm. uh indeed but um even if the at the end she ends up getting like captured and kind of there's this uh really gross scene where yeah um so they're very Cronenberg so, almost yeah yeah so so there's like um we talked about the chairman but there's like the the the, the kind of uh lesser yeah. doctor that's kind of assisting him who yeah says he <laughs> who's kind of like a gross he's gross he's like Mm-hmm. Um, he says he's in love with Atsuko, yeah. uh, but she's he's kind of just like mm-hmm. kind of creepy and trying like so she's captured and he does this thing cap I mean Paprika yeah. is captured because she's captured inside the dream. Right. And then he does this thing where he puts his hand in her body and mm-hmm. kind of like removes the skin of paprika to reveal atsuko inside and um this is this is another moment where like it's kind of like the what is the self right uh right in the situation and it's like what um where does paprika stop and atsuko begins um and yeah you get this really like gross moment um where like yeah, I, I guess I guess the, the what I was getting at before is like uh, <laughs> the rules of the. I mean, there's that 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 scene is kind of gross, but it's I guess good because it's you get a lot of like. I mean, you mm-hmm. get the grossness of like it all, like of being like completely not in control about like how you present right uh mm-hmm. in uh in the dream or online yeah. or, or wherever right um, <laughs> um and then in the second like in the third act of the movie 
uh, once the chairman gains kind of full control of the dream world, I guess the the, the barrier between dreams and reality kind of breaks, and it's yeah. Like, there's no real identification about like what is a dream, what is not. You see like all these weird things you'd see in dreams, you'd see in you saw in dream sequence. They're in real life. Uh, the chairman has yeah. become like this physical giant that's like uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> hundreds of feet tall. Um, yeah, he becomes you, a titan. Yeah, yeah, um... he becomes basically yeah, a titan. <laughs> um, yeah, and 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 all that is all that's happening at the same time as like uh, um, all, all, like everything is happening at the same time, and you get Atsuko and Paprika being like two separate beings in the real world at the same time and yeah it feels like uh it, it very very easily like uh, it makes you remember like some stuff in perfect blue where it's like losing yeah. control of your own life and of like what is presenting what is not at this point and um and i i think all that all that stuff and all that loss of control um is really well done and i think just mm-hmm. just not having any rules and any definition of like how stuff actually works <laughs> is for the best of this movie. Yeah. Yeah, because I don't think you need it. I think that they just they give it enough room to breathe. I it might I do think it might be a little bit confusing when you first watch it. I had to I certainly had to pause. <laughs> and look something up when I first saw this um, before we were even going to do this episode. Um, but I, I think it works for the movie. I think it works in the end when things just sort of happen. And it, in weird ways, it kind of follows dream logic. Of course you can do that. Of course he can, um, while in the dream world, bleed and wipe his hand across the uh, the window. Um, and I think it I think it works better in animation. Um, uh, I think that's why Inception has such like hard and fast rules, or tries to give you hard and fast rules, um, because it's what you accept in animation is different from what you'll accept in live action. Um, so yeah, like I think a lot of this just it just feels natural, and it doesn't. It it's never distracting, um, and I. And again, going back to what I was saying about, you know, previous films, there's things that feel like they were almost set up in perfect blue that are called back in this movie. Stylistic things and choices that were made there that allow moments in this movie to just feel very natural. Um, uh, You know, um, yeah, yeah. And, And even if you hadn't seen Perfect Blue, which I hadn't when I first watched this, um, a lot of it just naturally grows from scene to scene and it feels um, right by the time you get to the end. And it's not, it's not a, it's, it's not a lot to take in. Um, uh, yeah. Um, <laughs> um, uh, I, I think I, I think I've said a lot of what I yeah. need to say about this movie. <laughs> um, I, I feel like, yeah, it, it's a movie that's a lot harder to get into what's 
exactly happening because you end up describing like <laughs> like uh, how uh, the genius becomes a giant robot and it's kind of saved yeah. by the giant version of Atsuko giving him a hug which is a callback to when she saves him earlier when he's stuck in an elevator like yeah. <laughs> like I, I, I mean that's I think that works and is good but it's also like it's it's it, a lot this movie is so much it's kind of like millennium actress where it's so, mm. so, such visual richness and a lot of stuff showing on screen at the same time and it's kind of hard yeah. to describe like how well it works um yeah it, it it's difficult yeah absolutely like the movie and all of his movies they follow a lot of traditional animation rules but i feel like there's any kind of points at it to really like make it clear to you like he he's going for also just filmic rules as well like he's doing a lot of like just the basic callback and payoff stuff um in his movies and i think the way that he does it is always interesting the way in which something calls back to something else or as we were just saying with um uh, tokyo godfathers the way that scenes are tied together and that moments are tied together is just um it's always interesting um the the way in which he gets there um uh, and i and i appreciate that that it's never a thing of oh well that's gonna come back later it's always when 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 something pays off so it's oh i didn't see that coming um so yeah 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 um um, the thing maybe I'll end on is and end this episode on is that um, Satoshi. So so the movie ends on um, the detective like kind of solving his crime room, his love of movies, and kind of like uh, getting a message from uh, Tsuko to go to like a I guess a movie suggestion from her. And he goes back to the theater for the first time and goes see this new movie called, uh, I guess, The Dreaming Kids. And when when he's mm -hmm. there, you see all these posters for the Satoshi Kon movies uh, in the background. Like, there's a Millennium Actress poster. There's a... Mm -hmm. um, there, I mean, there's a Tokyo Godfather's poster. Uh, yeah. And, I mean, the, the next movie that Satoshi Kon was working on was not called The Dreaming Kids, but it was called... Uh, Dreaming Machine, I think, or Dream Machine, or something mm -hmm. like that. Uh, so Satoshi Kon was he was teasing his next movie at the end of this one, um, uh, but sadly yeah. he never got to complete it. It's like it kind of yeah. was worked on by the studio for a bit, but they never really found someone who could direct it. And in the end, yeah. and, or, never find someone who could direct it in the first few years, and in the end, didn't have the budget, and then it was. Such later, so much later than, uh, like if you get someone else to direct this movie, it's not no longer really a Satoshi Kon movie. So, yeah. Uh, so so it never got made. Um. Uh, yeah. So that's that's the, those are the Satoshi Kon movies. I'm glad we covered the full film, filmography for maybe the first time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's a uh, yeah. I don't know if we'll be able to do it again. <laughs> um the i mean maybe um i'm sure there's one or two one movie directors <laughs> that would i mean we've done Ryan out. johnson basically sure yeah yeah that's true but um i mean he's he's got new stuff coming out um 
Yeah, um, it's a it's interesting, you know. Uh, the, missing out on fifteen years of movies that could have existed is is a that's an interesting feeling that you don't get often. Um, yeah, yeah, it, it feels like he could have. I mean, he could still be making movies now, right? Like yeah, he was yeah. he was in his fifties in. Uh, mm-hmm. when he died and uh, he could have made at least three, four more movies by now. And it's like yeah. such a, such a loss of uh, such a great, uh, great director, great animation director. One of the best uh, yeah. of, of, uh, uh, of our lifetime. Um, uh, maybe we'll go back to it and cover Paranoia Agent uh, at some point. I, I mean, I kind of like that. I've never seen that series, and it's just like a, only like eleven or twelve episodes long. So, uh, yeah. so yeah. Uh, um, an idea for the future. But um, for now, uh, this has been your anime months. <laughs> <laughs> sure, I'm, I'm calling it anime months because maybe next year we can watch more anime. <laughs> You know, <laughs> the doors are open, um, and we and we can't close them. So why not? Um, uh, so yeah, um, uh, let's let's do the plugs and all yeah. that because um, I know it's late for you. So oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah, you can follow me on Twitter at Easier. Uh, you can follow me on Instagram as well. You can write us an email at lostourpodcast at gmail dot com. Uh, tell us what your favorite Satoshi Kon movie is. Um, yeah. And if you like any of his other stuff that we've had, I mean, I think he he directed like a Jojo OVA and stuff like that. If there's anything worth looking that you like and you think we should watch it and cover it, let us know. Um, yeah. But yeah, that's it for me. Uh, yeah. Uh, Phantom Zone uh should be an episode well not so the uh the last episode that will be up will be the one that went live tonight as of when we're recording this uh so listen to that uh might be a couple weeks uh dark but our last few episodes have been like in the two two and a half hour range so like uh you should probably still be listening to those um uh so yeah uh listen to that uh send me uh, messages about how uh, we didn't think Wong was going to be <laughs> in Shang-Chi uh, and uh, all that stuff. <laughs> I'm late on, on Zone, but I'm going through them slowly but surely. I know. It's just, <laughs> it's just a funny thing. Something dumb. <laughs> it's, it's just a, it's a truly funny thing that I was, that I, I didn't remember that we, that, that we had discussed. So yeah. Uh, <laughs> Uh, yeah, so for moments like that, uh, listen to the entire back catalog of Phantom Zone. Please don't do that. But if you want to, I can't stop you. Uh, so, uh, yeah, that's the show. And uh, bye. Chris Pratt is fucking Mario. <laughs> <laughs> Even when I